0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Mary Beth Bracey. She is a consecrated virgin of the Diocese of Ogdensburg, New York. She is a writer who's blessed to research and publish and speak extensively on various aspects of Catholic spirituality. Her books include Behold to the Lamb and Bread of Life, uh, just to name a few. And Mary Beth also works for Sophia Institute Press, and uh, she's the one who helps me with many of the guests that you listen to on this show. So we're grateful for all her efforts in lining all those interviews up. Uh, today, we're going to talk about her recent article uh, called Virtual Friendship Group Offers Spiritual Formation and Reading. Mary Beth, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. I was looking online, and we've been communicating via email for quite a while, and I didn't realize it was back in April that you were just consecrated virgin in the Diocese of Ogdensburg. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yes, on the Feast of Divine Mercy Sunday. I'm very grateful to God.
0: Uh, So it sounds like, you know, reading the article, you went through, you know, kind of a long discernment process, and, you know, family, you know, life gets in the way of sometimes of that, and uh, it sounds like... You're, you've ended up right where God wants you.
1: Yes, I believe so, thankfully.
0: I know you're just recently consecrated, but uh, is there a community, I know there's, you know, looking online, there's several thousand throughout the throughout the world that are consecrated virgins, and uh, actually one of our employees here at Catholic Charities, uh, Sunit, um, was consecrated back in 2021 for the Archdiocese of Denver, but do you guys have Do you communicate at all? Is there some kind of mutual support that you get from other women who have made the same commitment?
1: Oh, definitely. In fact, um, just about a week ago, I attended the convocation for consecrated virgins, um, which this year was held in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, So there were several different consecrated virgins there, mostly from the United States, but a few came from abroad as well. Um, but on a regular basis, I do keep in, in touch with other consecrated virgins, um, whether through email or Facebook or Zoom or other platforms.
0: So you live on your own. So is it is it difficult? I know you know it's been you've been consecrated for a couple months now, but not living in community, do you find that you know you get a lot of time for private prayer. Do you do you wish there was community? How do, how do you feel about you know being where you are and, and really not having anyone around other than virtually?
1: So I'm really blessed because um, as far as the community aspect, I am very active in my church and the diocese. Consecrated virgins are called to be. Um, you also have family that lives nearby as well, um, but additionally. I think as part of the charism of consecrated virginity, we're called to be mystically espoused to Jesus. So we do need to have time for that contemplation and that prayer too. Um, And some consecrated virgins are also blessed by their bishop to have permission to have the blessed sacrament reserved in their homes. So I'm actually blessed to have a chapel in my home, um, which is a great joy and consolation to have my spouse here with me all the time. Um, However, I do think it's really beautiful because we're able to work within various charisms and apostolates in the church. And I think that God really, you know, fashions for us whatever vocation he's calling us to, whatever one he created us to do in this life. And so I I feel really blessed that he found this vocation
0: for me. I know that uh, when my daughter was going through uh, discernment uh, with the Dominicans when she first entered, I remember after the first year, she was like, Dad, the only thing that bothers me is that when I become a spouse of Christ, if anything goes wrong, I know it's going to have to be my fault. So she, I mean, so she to that realization and now she's, you know, I think uh, just get ready to start year 12 with Uh the order and and loves it. And, uh, but I, you know, to to your point, um, you know, they, when they go out on mission and when they, do you know everybody wants to do everything for him? Cook all these meals, do all this stuff, and they really have to say no because then they 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 lose that private time, that prayer, that that contemplation that that they need to really be able to fuel them as they go ahead and serve Christ, right?
1: Yes, definitely. It's the heartbeat of who we are.
0: You started a, a, a new virtual friendship group, and it was an interesting article. And I would ex- uh, encourage people to go to Catholic Exchange to to read the article. You were on retreat, and and you were kind of prompted by the Holy Spirit that this is something you need to kind of put together, and not only for yourself, but to help other people. Right, form kind of a community in a world that's really challenged.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, And it was something that, uh, as is oftentimes with the way the Holy Spirit works, you you totally don't expect it. I had gone on an eight-day retreat as kind of part of my final discernment to become a consecrated virgin. And the reason I had chosen this particular retreat house um, that is run by the Oblates of the Virgin Mary at St. Joseph's in Milton, Massachusetts, is because for part of my duties in Sophia, I had read a, a manuscript by Father Timothy Gallagher. Um, It called Struggles in the Spiritual Life, and it just really spoke to my heart. And I thought to myself that if I would have had this book, you know, half of my life ago, my discernment process would have been so much easier and my path so much smoother. So when I was searching online to finish up some things for my formation to become a consecrated virgin, I happened to come across the retreat house and I said, oh, that's Father Gallagher's order. I think I need to go there. So that's where I made my eight day retreat. And over the course of the retreat, which was really amazing and transformative, um, the director had told me that the Oblates founder, Venerable Bruno Lanteri, had begun something called Friendship Groups, and I thought it sounded really fascinating, and I said, well, do you still have those today? He said, no, but we we would like to get them started again at some point. So... I was kind of thinking about it, and then shortly before I left, there was a religious sister who had been there, who had waited to talk with me. And she had waited to talk with me until the silence was over, because she thought we had a similar spirituality, and she said it's so hard to find friends with similar spiritualities. So, anyway, the next morning I was praying the Liturgy of the Hours, and I thought to myself, Okay, so the Oblates have this amazing charism that the world really needs in terms of living the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola and discernment. And I work for Sophia Institute Press, and we have the literature. Um, So why can't we work together? So thankfully, my supervisor gave me permission to explore it because the, the friendship groups historically around the turn of the 19th century were basically founded to help not only um, lay people but also priests and consecrated to work together in these small groups to learn the spiritual exercises and to grow in spiritual reading and to support each other in the faith and then they would also go out and introduce other people to quality spiritual literature and then they would also do charitable activities so long story short over the course of the past year thankfully everything came together And we recently had our first meeting in June. So we'll be having our second one coming up soon.
0: And we've had Father Gallagher on the show several times. And he really, you know, he speaks to you. It's very easy to understand. He makes things sound so simple uh, when he kind of explains it. And he does a great job. And, And the Oblates are big in Denver. They actually have two houses there. And when I Saul, Father Brown was was uh, looking at, you know, was kind of your spiritual guide as you go through this, thinking, Father Brown, that's who we had. But we had Father Dennis Brown when we were going through formation for the deaconate. But they have a great charism, and they, and they really uh, meet people where they are and, and do a great job of leading them to Christ, don't they?
1: Definitely. Um, I've been very blessed to either meet in person or through various technology, several of the Oblates at this point, and all of them, I always kind of feel like I have my own personal retreat when I speak with them, because as you said, they really just, um, they really transmit God's divine mercy, and they have such a powerful charism.
0: I know you just had your first meeting, but if somebody wanted to join or start, you know, start a different friendship group, I mean, we'll talk about that meet down the road, but what is kind of the format when you guys meet? What does it look like, and what would people expect?
1: So prior to the meeting, they would have received information about whatever book we're reading. And then also we send out discussion questions. And even if they missed the first meeting and would kind of like some more history about the friendship groups and about what we talked about at our first meeting, they could always email me and I could send them um, the link to the first meeting. Um, And at the first meeting, Father Bill Brown had talked about uh, Father Timothy Gallagher's book overcoming spiritual discouragement, which is really about the charism of their founder, Venerable Bruno Lanteri. And I would really describe him as the saint of encouragement. So that definitely um, comes across in in the meetings for sure. Um, so many people at the first meeting said how they were so encouraged and felt really renewed and that it's benefited them so greatly. So the first half of the meeting, the priest presenter from the Oblates talks about the book and kind of breaks it open for us. And then during the second half of the meeting, we're able to ask questions or to discuss different things in the book as well. So the next book we're doing is by one of the other Oblates. It's by Father Gregory Cleveland, who I believe is stationed in Denver. Um, And it's called Beholding Beauty. It's Mary and the Song of Songs. And then we'll be doing other books in the future, too. We're doing one called It's Good to Be Here, A Woman's Reflections, on kind of through her suffering. And then we're also going to be doing um, one by Father Ed Broom. And that one's going to be Total Consecration Through the Mysteries of the Rosary. And it's really kind of Ignatian in its approach as well. Um, we'll be doing one called Praying with St. Augustine, by Sarah McLaughlin, which is excellent. And then we're also going to be doing another one by Father Gallagher called A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass. So those are the ones we're starting off with.
0: Uh, before I forget, and you mentioned, you know, if people are interested, they can email you. Could you let people know what your email address is in case they're, they're interested or wanna find out more information on it?
1: Sure, it's M Bracey, B-R-A-C in Charles Y, at Sophiainstitute.com.
0: Okay. And anybody can email me and I can get it to you because I, I email unfortunately Mary Beth quite often. She's probably sick of my emails when they come in. So I definitely have that email memorized. How long does a meeting last? An hour. And so how did you how did you get your first group to participate? Is just kind of people that you knew and you sent out requests or how did people Know about this first group that started, um, you know, back in June.
1: Um, So for through a variety of different ways, um, Sophia Institute Press had sent out an e-blast to people that had ordered the updates books before. Um, Additionally, I had the article, for instance, with Catholic Exchange. Um, I also was interviewed by a local paper in my area. And then I also put out a lot of publicity on Facebook and things like that. Um, and then I think also I wanted to see, I guess, what was the most effective ways of getting the word out. So I had also put out, um, announcements like in my local bulletin and in in my diocesan newspaper and things like that as well.
0: So how many people are in the the initial group?
1: I believe that there was 20 something at the first meeting. Wow. Um, So other people had signed up as well, but not everyone was able to make the first meeting. So... I, I think it's whatever size it it is. Um, you know, we just kind of prayed that whoever was meant to come would come. Um, and so I think that it could definitely possibly grow and expand as well because there has been a significant interest in it. So it's definitely a need um, for people, especially I think in in these times. I, I think a lot of people feel isolated, um, and it's hard to find these types of resources. Not everyone might have them in their area. So it's beautiful because we might have people there not only from other states, but also sometimes from other countries
0: as well. Is there an ideal size for the group that you were hoping for? Can it get too big? Or you know what, just kind of the more the merrier. What's your perspective on that?
1: I think it's interesting. I think it's a very interesting question. Um, So historically, they would have several groups, um, maybe of about a dozen each. Um, Of course, that was before the days of Zoom and things like that. So it's I guess we're kind of in a different situation. Um, I think that it was really beautiful, though, because I think everyone that wanted to ask questions had time to ask the questions. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I think eventually maybe it could be something where it's turnkeyed and also is available on a local level, too. So, I mm-hmm. guess at this point, um, we we have meeting scheduled from now through November, and then we can kind of reevaluate and see
0: where things are at at that time. Yeah, and I guess if it got too big, you know, the group could subdivide or whatever that looks like because you've already got established people who were going through it. And you know, to your point that you made earlier, you know, we live in a world of such brokenness, right? People despair. They're, you know, they even focused on some of the, you know, unfortunately the. The crazy things going on within the church. You know, to focus on one's spiritual formation and, and reading of saints and other good readings really helps us refocus, right? It's all about growing in holiness, and we can get caught up in all the extra things that are going on in the world that can kind of distract us, can't we?
1: Oh, definitely. And that's why I think it's so beautiful. Um, you know, some of us are, are blessed to have the opportunity or the, I guess, bandwidth to be able to spend, you know, like 15 minutes or 30 minutes or however long a day with spiritual reading. But even for those people that aren't able to dedicate that much time, the founder of the Oblates, Venerable Bruno Lanteri, would say to the lay people that he directed, just one spiritual page a day. And if you think about it, it might not seem like a lot, but if you really, if you take the time to read this amazing spiritual work, even if it's just one page a day that can really bless your life and totally change the course of your day. When we think of, for instance, he saw when he gave a book by St. Alphonsus Liguori to somebody, how it completely changed the course of their life. So if we sometimes stop and think about the different spiritual books we've read before that have really um, made a huge impact on us and maybe even changed the trajectory of our life,
0: it can really be very, very powerful. I think, you know, that, The contemplative aspect of our lives, many people just kind of brush over because they don't think they have the time. And it could be one, you know, one sentence in scripture, it could be one sentence in spiritual writing that you could marinate in your mind for quite a while. So it's not how much you read, but it's how in depth you go with what you read. Definitely, that's for sure. You got this group going, things seem to be going pretty well. I would think that this is something that could really take off, and it sounded like you know something you were thinking about on your retreat. Because the the hunger is out there now. You know, a lot of people after COVID, they've left the church, they haven't come back, but there's the faithful that are just so hungry for growing in their faith and and really being with like-minded people who are focused on Christ. Uh, this really seems like it's it's the perfect uh, prescription for those people. I think so. Um,
1: I think that also people sometimes might feel safer, um, depending on their life experience, or for those people who are maybe even shut in and can't go out for whatever reason, they're also able to participate this way. So I do think that there's definitely, as you said, a, a huge need for spiritual encouragement and for spiritual formation, and I think also for discernment. I I think that. So many people, if you say to them, St. Ignatius of Loyola and Rules of Discernment, they're probably like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, so, but but if you think about how crucial it is, and, and as you're familiar with Father Gallagher, so many times in whatever situation you're in, um, if you can just identify, okay, maybe I'm going through this time of discouragement or desolation, but I don't have to let it kind of overtake me or roll over me. Um, You know, it might make me confused or I might feel discouraged or like I want to give up, but this is the enemy attacking me. So if I can call a spade a spade, then that's really going to change my whole outlook on a situation. And it's going to keep me from being deterred
0: in whatever God is calling me to do. Sounds like, you know, it will end up being a great support network as well because, you know, you just mentioned it, right? The evil one is constantly, you know, he's a prowling lion. You hear that from scripture. And he's, he's, going to attack people that participate in this group, right? Why are you doing it? You're just wasting your time, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these thoughts that he can put into our heads and to have this support network and to realize that if we do get attacked, that's pretty much confirmation you're on the right track. isn't it?
1: Yes, definitely. You know, you're doing something right when that happens for sure. And it is, it's wonderful. Like you said, just to have that support of our brothers and sisters in Christ Because sometimes we might not be able to realize these things ourselves, but others can point them out to us and remind us of those things that we need
0: to fall back on when we're going through tough times. So when you go through a book, is it everybody reads the book and, and then for that month and then you go to the next book? So you spend about a month on each book or how does that work?
1: So that's currently the format. But I would say also... We're all at different places in our spiritual journeys, and we all have different schedules and different demands upon us. So even if someone isn't able to read a whole book, even if they're just able to read part of it, um, they would benefit, I think, greatly from the, the friendship groups as well. And the priest does spend time kind of going over different themes in the book and so on and so forth. So even if you were to come to a meeting and not really be that familiar with the book yet, you wouldn't be lost or anything like that. Um, and we do have the first one recorded, so you could always go back and look at that too. I think that for this next one, Beholding Beauty, if you're familiar with Father Cleveland's writing, honestly, this is only the second book I've read by him, but it, his, it's almost like it takes you on an inclination retreat in a sense. So you could definitely use it as a retreat. Um, you could also just read it straight through as a beautiful, you know, spiritual book. I think that for me, I like to kind of read his books slowly and kind of almost go through one chapter a week. So I think that if you're somebody who likes to kind of go on a slower paces and kind of use it in terms of Ignatian exercises and meditation, then that's totally fine. So you might come to the first or to the next meeting only having read a few chapters. Some people prefer to you know, read the whole thing at once, and that's fine too.
0: Yeah, and as you said, everybody's everybody's in a different place and everybody has a different style. Uh, and you mentioned Father Cleveland and Father Broom. We've had them both on the show as well, and they they really do an excellent job of, of kind of guiding and, and directing people so their books are, are just like how they talk. Uh, and so it really is, you know, interesting when I read the article that this hasn't been going on before, right? I know you said, you know, uh, Father Terry had, you know, they was going on back then, but to think that it's kind of stopped when it just really seems to make sense, especially in the world in which we live, doesn't it?
1: Yes, definitely. So I think that it's, especially in, in our day and age, sometimes when things are harder for us to live out our faith in a day to day basis, whether it's in the workplace or just in the culture we live in, all the more reason to have these groups that are really providing Catholic culture and are really
0: helping to strengthen us in our faith. And fortify us on our journey. Well, I mean, in your particular witness, how has your yes to Christ affected the people in your parish, right? Are more people coming up to you and talking to you? Has it opened up avenues that maybe you didn't have before? Just people really interested in interested on how you discerned and and where you ended up and that type of thing?
1: I think definitely the response um, for many people has been I guess, overwhelming, honestly, just in, in a, a wonderful sense. I honestly didn't know how many people would be interested in the vocation or how many people would attend the consecration. But um, thanks be to God, the, the church was packed. And I had so many people who I barely knew come up to me afterwards and who who like wanted to get a picture with me or something like that. And I, I think that so many people had questions about well, what does it mean to be a bride of Christ or what does it mean to be a consecrated virgin? Some people would ask other questions like maybe more about the spiritual life or things like that. So I think it's good because it's kind of like it allows people to ask you questions that they might be afraid to otherwise if they didn't really know you. And to me, the the most beautiful thing is just that it the attention is on the bridegroom and not on the bride. So um, I'm able to to talk to them about my faith and to talk to them about Christ in a way that maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunity to before.
0: Well, and that's exactly right. It's never about us. It's always about Christ. And if we can point people to Christ, right, he's going to you know, put us in positions where we can be that humble, obedient servant and direct everybody to Christ, just as his mother does, right? The Virgin Mary is, is par excellence in terms of Focus on my son. Focus on my son, and and you really get that opportunity. That must be uh, not only rewarding, but almost uh you know I don't like to say a weight on your shoulder, but you know an added responsibility of of really living your life as a model, so that people see when they see you, they see Christ. Right?
1: Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. We're called to be a witness. I really love how the late Cardinal George. Um, of Chicago said that priests are called to show the love of Jesus for the church and consecrated virgins are called to show the love of the church for Jesus. So that's really our whole reason of being is kind of like St. Therese said, her, her mission was to make God loved. So that's also our mission is to make God loved. So on one hand, it's like the greatest, I guess you could say, you could, on one hand, you could kind of look at it as a burden, but I, when, it, in those moments when I start to feel like, oh, you know, if I start <laughs> to feel pressured or overwhelmed, I realize, wait, I'm looking at this totally backwards because right. I need to yeah. let my husband do the heavy lifting. He's the one with all the power, and, you know, I'm just like this little tiny pebble, this little tiny grain of sand. So I recently, um, when I w- went to the convocation in Arizona, we had visited this chapel in the Rocks. And it was really amazing because there was this huge chapel built into the rocks and the crucifix extended from the bottom of the chapel all the way to the ceiling. So it was, I'm not even sure how tall it was, maybe like at least 30 feet tall, but it was bronze and it was really beautiful and very detailed. And you could really see the tenderness in in the face of Christ. And it was also an interesting crucifix because it had like the tree of life in the background, so you can see the apples and so on. And then at the bottom of the crucifix, also in bronze, was this tiny little rose. And so I came back, and I've still been going through Father Cleveland's book, Beholding Beauty. So I was meditating, and one night it was to think about God's greatness and the humility we should have in light of God's greatness. And the passage from the Song of Songs was about how the bride was like this little rose of Sharon and how the bridegroom was like this great apple tree and I'm looking at the picture from Phoenix and I'm meditating on this pageant and I'm like yes this is what I have to remember I'm this tiny little rose about two inches in size size and God is like you know this immense 30 foot and that's like obviously a very big overgeneralization but it's just amazing when you see things like the Grand Canyon and you you see like a little bird flying by to see how great God is and how little we are, but yet he watches over all of us and all of our littlest cares.
0: Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.